0: Okay, Boca Tov, everyone. Shh, quiet in the back. Um, okay, so we are. Uh, today's off. You're going to the principals next time. Today's off is Ted Is Ted Zion. <laughs> it's Today's job is Tzaius 16. We pick up on Tetvava in the middle. Um, I want to make a, qu- a few quick mentions before we pick up some things that we had mentioned yesterday. First of all, I sent that an email. I've been meaning to say for a while, you know, we, sometimes I've been having us read inside Rashi, very little reading inside of Tosos. Both Rashi and Tosos are very strange on this Mesechet, um, just the sort of the way, the, the length of Rashi, some of the ways he way brings up things. Um, anyway, current scholarship shows that the Rashi and this Mesechet the printed Rashi is not really Rashi and Tosos on this uh, is really doesn't have any of the classic Tosos types of discussions. It's really just more of a running uh, commentary and um, Orbach shows that this Tosos is also very late is, is not Tosos, is very late is the earliest 14th, 14th century. Yeah, well that might have been a later edition. That clearly was later. Anyway, so it's interesting to note that while they're helpful commentators the assumption is that they're not Rashi and not Tosos. Okay, that's number one. Um, the um, um, the uh, other thing that I'll just mention is is that um uh what we're we going to say um that, oh, you know, let's go start continuing reading in the Mishnah and then I'll tie back to some points I wanted to make. So we're finishing up the Mishnah and the Mishnah says, and we had just gone through all of the issues about when there are these fast days, whether there's fasting for the Mishmar and the Beit Av in the Beit Hamikdash. Um, and, you know, that's the question about they have to do the avoda so, you know, but uh, but how connecting to what the Tzibor is doing. Um, and I do think it's, again, important to see a parallel here the way I see it, is, you know, the fact Fasting, the impact of the fasting, you know, goes so much that it impacts even the Aron. And uh, the, uh, you know, the, the Rambam brings down, I think it might be, anyways. that you even put ashes on the Sifre Torah. Right? So it's sort of entering in like it's affecting God as well, and there's a parallel here, but the fasting is also piercing through and getting into the Beit HaMikdash, that even the Kohanim are fasting. But the last position that we read said that the Kohanim would not fast, even the Mishmar, even the whole weekly group, would not fast for the first three. Because if you remember, the first three, it says, you know, So the first three was for the fact that there wasn't rain it's only the second three where it starts the night before and the last seven where it says Avru Elu Velo Anu. where there's a sense of God's distance. So according to only by those middle three does, does the fasting begin in the Beit HaMikdash. And I think that again that's a parallel of that sense of that distance that's being created uh, between the people or the, the sensing of the, of, the, of, the, of the distancing between the people and God. Okay, so now we continue in the Mishnah um, and the Mishnah seems to digress here and talk about the Mishnah Tomorrow in the in a different context. So let's take a look. Um Anchei um, Mishmar it's the second wide line on Tezvav On Anchei Mishmar Mutarim Wistot Yayin B'Leilot as a general rule now that we're talking about the Mishmar and the Av, and when would they fast When wouldn't they fast when the Tzibor is fasting we'll say the following that in general the people who are calling on work that week um, can drink wine at night but not at day because at day they might have to uh, be called on as a backup and you're not allowed to be drunk when you do the avoda. Um Misa if you do it the the people who are in work that day, so, obviously they can't drink the day, but they can't drink the night before. You don't want to come to work with a hangover. You know, clearly they don't drink even the night before. Anchei Mishmar, the Ma'amad, mil now, the people of the Mishmar and the people of the Ma'amad, the Ma'amad are the Qanim, um, the Yisraelim, um, that would represent the people to be present, to stand by the Korbanot. Uh, because the idea is the Korbanot Sibor are brought on behalf of the Tzibur, but the Tzibur isn't there. They're not Omed al-Korbanam. So you get a, a, a rotating different group of representatives to uh, be present with the Korbanot in Yerushalayim and some parallel groups in the various cities Um, so these people when it was both the konim that were working that week and the ma'amad the group of representatives they would not get haircuts and do their laundry when they were doing this um, the week that they were doing this and on Thursday they would be allowed because uh, you know Shabbos is coming and therefore they would be allowed to get a haircut and do the laundry they would do it on Thursday because Friday was too busy because you had to uh, prepare for you know do the Cooking and other types of preparing for Shabbat, often these types of things, haircuts and laundry, would be done on Thursday. All right. So again, it seems to be just a total digression here. We'll see why they can't get a haircut. Obviously, it's not because of a morning sense. Um, you know, it's and uh, the um, and the idea we'll see in the Gemara has more to do with the idea that they take care of these issues before the week that is your Anshe Ma'amad so that during that week you won't be distracted by this and also you'll be you know sort of like why you don't do this stuff on Cholomoed you don't do this stuff on Cholomoed so you enter in to Yantav with your, with your haircut and with your nice clothes so here too don't do it during this week in order so that you'll enter into this week with all that stuff taken care of okay so all of this seems to be a complete digression but again the one thing that I will point out. And I should say, some of the points I'm making, um, and some of the ideas I got, but I've elaborated on them, come from uh, some of the excellent work done by um, Avram Walfish on, um, um, on, um, on the on this on the Taanit. Um, he does, um, I think, that was the one who did the work. Wolfish in general writes yeah 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 I'm, I'm pretty sure but wait there's another guy, heard guy heard who, yeah yeah pretty sure it's out from Wolfish. I'll double check now I'm giving and now I'm attributing to that I don't remember what it was because I was looking at a number of articles but I'm pretty sure he wrote some really great stuff on some of the Mushinayo. so he gave the kernels of some of the ideas that I've been developing um, through the time that we've been doing this and I want to give the point so again he also makes here is um, along that same line that even though this just seems like a digression um, what, what also you're getting is the idea of ring Bring up this issue of the Anchein Ma'amad is again that, bringing up that point about how the we just got through saying that the Qanim are connected to the Ta'anit that the people are doing. They fast when the people are fasted. And now we're in a way getting the other side of that parallel, which is, is that when the, in a general day when the Korbanot are being brought the people are connected to that. And they have their representatives and they have their Ma'amad present in the Mikdash. So that there's this general connection between the people and the that's going on, and again, the general sense of during this period that God isn't answering, that that connection is being weakened. Um, so he he like he he sees that in this in the, in that light. That it's not just a total digression. Okay, so then it says. Um, now we're getting back to, now that we sort of have wrapped up, this is sort of now coming to a summation. We've gone through the whole periods of fasting for rains and how you would do the fast and what, how you do the prayers. So now we're going to talk about days that you do not fast. Anything written in Migilat Ta'anit that a day you're not allowed to you give a eulogy on So you can't fast and you can't give a eulogy. It's a greater yuntive if you're not even allowed to give a eulogy. So, you cannot, uh, you cannot uh, do do that bef- even the day before, but you are allowed to, to do it the day after because in anticipation, as it were, of the yantiv, then there's also a sense of a yantiv. It's like an Arab yantiv. Again, not a full yantiv, but a small yantiv, right? A minor yantiv. But afterwards, you know, Arab yantiv is a bigger deal than like Yisru Afterwards, it's already over. So, there's no aspect of the day following. I'm obviously using those terms in a borrowed sense. Um, Rabbi Rabbi says asur I'm sorry Rabbi of did I just read that? Oh, yeah. no. Okay. no, I'm sorry I misread it Rabbi Yossi Yomer I skipped down a lot Okay, he says even afterwards is forbidden uh, alright and it, uh, it, it has its impact on the following day I think this parallels Rabbi and Avodazara in the midst first mission of Avodazara, that it says you're not allowed to do business with non-Jews three, elite, right, three, AD three, AD three days yeah. before there Holiday, and I think it's the same Reb Yossi who says you can't do business with them three days before and three ah, days right. after. Exact, right, which means never. I under, well, for Christians, was what the Gemara said. But anyway, but no, I just think it's quite interesting. The same Reb Yossi who says it by business, the impact that the non-Jewish holiday has before and after uh-huh. is the impact that this holiday has before and after. There's an interest, I think it's the same Reb Yossi. Anyway, okay, so that's if it's not de ana. If it's if it's a day not so weighty of not to give a eulogy, just a day that's not a, that you can't say fast, Mutar, both before and after is permissible, has no impact on the days around it. And there Rib Yosi gives it a little greater weight. No, even that date is weighty enough to forbid a fast on the day before, but it does not have an impact on the day after. Okay? So any so that is again now we're acknowledging other how you know other types of things. Now that we're talking about fasting and we're done a little bit with the series of the fasts and the and the tfilot, we're talking about the days that fasting does not occur. Ein, it's yes? Yes. Yeah, well, the Gemara has the question of whether now batla after the Chorban, Um And, you know, the Mishnah is obviously talking with Yossi is obviously after the Chorban, right. Um But there's not a anything. debate about batla or not. The Mishnah definitely assumes that lo it remains in force. That is correct. Okay, so that's certain you know, black letter days, days that you can't have the fast, or green days, depending on how you want to look at it, but that's number one. Number two, another limit on fa- on the fast days, you do not make fast days initially on Thursday. Shalola, meaning when you're going to do we'll see that it'll be a Monday, Thursday, Monday. Now, why, by the way, do you think it's Monday, Thursday, Monday, or whatever, Thursday and Monday, forget the exact sequence. And therefore it's days where you can get all the people together. And what we have been seeing is very much the seabor nature of the fast and the bringing of the people together to sort of pray and to you know reflect on the day and to own the power and to oh you know own the nature of the day so you want it to be those days but you don't start with a Thursday Shalulavski Sharin, not to cause the um, the prices the you know that's what they call it now right in Israel the um, the uh, like when you talk about the exchange rate it's Shahar right so not to cause the rates to uh, jump to you know to go up um, excessively because what will happen is if everybody's fasting on Thursday then people are going to be buying a lot of food on Thursday to break their fast on Friday and for Shabbos. So people will think, why is there a run on the, literally, market, on the, you know, on the stores? Maybe, you know, maybe there's a famine, maybe there's not enough wheat around, flour around, and all of a sudden the prices go up. People don't realize that it's because there's a fast going Either on. Yeah. Well, maybe the message doesn't get out to everyone, and, you know, it's a good question. It's to see we're supposed to be fasting, but still, maybe there's a type of a reaction, like you don't fully process what's going on. You start on a Monday, so you do Monday, Thursday, Monday, so therefore by the time Thursday rolls around, people already understand what's going on. Um, um, so that's the first three. the um, Shalosh the second three, Hamishi, Hamishi, can be Thursday, Monday, Thursday, because people already know what's going on. Um, now, by the way, by saying that, it also means that there's not a breather in between, right? You understand? Mm. You did Monday, Thursday, Monday, and now we're going to do another three, Thursday, Thursday Monday, Thursday. You haven't even had a break. So, Rebiosi, Rebiosi on there, Rebiosi said. Yeah. The same way the first ones are not, the second and the third are not either. Now this could just be an idea of maintaining a pattern. You do Monday, Thursday, you know, Monday, Thursday, Monday as a way to how do you remember the pattern. But it could also be that he wants a little bit of a breather between it. A breather because maybe let's give God a chance to answer, you know? We haven't been answered right yet, but like let's not rush into a Thursday. Let's take a breather also, you know, because I think that psychologists have shown that when things are intermittent rather than than constant, they have, you know, a more, more of a power. Like, so if, um, so if there's a break and then you start again, the reaction to this is a stronger sense of like, oh, oh, now we have to fast again, as opposed to we're still fasting as we've been fasting, you don't feel the power of how this is a different stage. So I think that there's a real logic to taking a break and waiting to the next Monday. Um, okay. So it's a, a little funny jumping back now because we were talking about the holidays, minor holidays, you don't have it, but in a generic sense. And now we're talking about, um, about specific. So you do not make a ta'anit on the Sibor on Rosh Chodesh, Chanukah, and Purim. Now this is even if Ba'lamigila ta'anid, So again, this might be reflecting, you know, a different idea. Before the Gilat Tanit was enforced, and that would be a whole huge list of days. Here it's only three very special days: Rosh Chodesh, Chanukah, and Purim. Obviously, the three days that aren't Yantiv. Those are the days that you do not have a Tanit Sibur. But if the fasting started, the the series of three or of seven started, and then it ran into a Rosh Chodesh, right? You didn't start; it wasn't Rosh Chodesh. It was a Monday, and you wanted to start on Rosh Chodesh. so it was a Thursday. you started the Monday before. Then you continue; you don't stop. That's what Rebbe Gamliel says. Rebbe Meir, I'm a Rebbe Meir. Alpha piusham Rebbe Gamliel ain mafsekin, modai yasha ain Even though he said that he tried to limit Rebbe Gamliel's statement, even though Rebbe Gamliel says you continue to fast when you hit Rosh Chodesh or Chanukah or Purim, you don't really fast the whole day. And the Chanukah and Purim have to win out. You know, have to stop a full fast, um, and therefore you would not fast to the end of the day. So halakhically, it would really not be a full fast the same would apply if tisabaa sell out um, on a Friday um, so we will, I'll just hold off on unpacking that until we get to the Gemara but similarly the issue here about whether the fast would, um, you know, would override or not, you don't want to be going into Shabbat when you are fasting so according to this you would not fast um, right till the end of Friday so you would not enter into Shabbat fasting, so even Tisha B'Av you would not complete, and Charlie's going to tell us that Tisha B'Av can't be on a Friday, is that right? <laughs> okay, well, actually, 17 March hedge cannot fall out on Thursday. Oh, that's interesting. So it's the first day of beginning. Can't the first day that you respond to the absence, right? interesting. but do it doesn't work. matter because it could fall on Wednesday, and then you would start fasting on a Thursday if you could start right. on a Thursday. Okay. Anyway, I think Tisha B'av. Somebody correct me if I got this wrong. I think Tisha in our calendar cannot fall out on a Friday. It yeah, says in the right. footnote yeah, right. Fall yeah, out okay, on a Sunday. Okay. Friday. All right. So fine. So that's that. Um, so let's take a look now at the Gemara. Seder Taniot, Ketzad. So, yeah, right, right, right. Now we have a right. fixed calendar, right. Okay, so you bring up the arc. Now we're going to revisit the issues that Kumar has been assuming earlier when this whole special filote would take place, on which series it just says here's how you would do it here's the prayers does that mean even on the first series um, the first two groups the first two threes you would uh, daven in the show like a normal year Ube sheva Now, of course, we've seen before that you would add anenu as a separate bracha. But okay, fundamentally, it would be normal. Ube sheva achlo. Note only the last seven. Motziin etateva liyochovah sheliyevan unim eifar gabihateva. And you would put ashes on the ark. Ube roshah nasi ube roshah beitin. V'kol echad v'echad no telvanosem beroshah. And everybody would put ashes on their own head. That be nasa nomer miklehim meviim. You would bring not just. Which we have seen before could mean dust or dirt, but you would specifically bring ashes. Our Mishnah assumes that. Okay, this is a Papa um, Anyway, you see from the breita it's clear to the last seven. So it says, Rav Papa, So that's the context of our Mishnah, the last seven. It's always interesting to ask whether, you know, to take a, what the Gemara do, does here, and the Gemara often does in reconciling, take a brighta take a tosefta, and use it to create the context of the Mishnah or do you say like maybe Rebbe explicitly did not include that in the Mishnah because maybe Rebbe's you know understanding was was that you actually should do this already from the beginning right so is the Mishnah specifically in contrast to the Baisa or does the Baisa give a context to the Mishnah right that is not clear like we had that before where the Gemara says when they did that whole thing with glowing you know uh, actually no before it's coming up like where they where they did the, the blowing of the shofar and it says you know lo ayu noagim kei ne'le Right, you know, uh, you know, you know, So the Mishnah makes it sound like you don't blow the shofar outside of Yerushalayim. But the Gemara is going to quote a Braita that says, "No, you do blow the shofar." The whole issue was they didn't respond amen. They, you know, towards a bracha, which is something like specific to the Beit mikdash that you only say So again, we'll see then that the question is that do you sort of you know recontextualize the Mishnah based on that Braita, or do you actually assume that there's a difference going on here? Anyway, here the Gemara has contextualized and explains that this special thing would only be for the last seven. Which does make sense. Like, you know, if you start full blast at the very beginning, it loses power. You know, whereas if if, if you wait till the end, then you really feel the weight of, it's gotten to the point that this is now what we're up to. Okay, uberosha nasi, you put it at the head of the nasi, uh, the political head, you put the ashes. The hadertani, show. each individual puts on his own head. So why by the... So, Amy, is that really true that you begin with the nasi and the azbeitin, and then you go to the you know lay people, the hatznan or the hatanya? We taught a bracha. Rebbe Omer, excuse me. When you start with sort of areas of honor, you give honor first to the great to the greater one, and then to the lesser one. When you start with areas of being cursed, you start first with the minor one, and then you build up to the greater one. Now, where exactly there was a sense of gedulah there, um, you know, what, what exactly that pasuk was, um, that pasuk actually initially is, some people quote a different pasuk, because that pasuk is, uh, hold on, I think you a is, I think, well, it is actually not a particularly honorable context, but nevertheless notice what's mentioned this year done, right road road it's exactly road, road. exactly uh, what's the what, what's the pasuk here where is it does it say 106 um, 10, 106 10, right It's about the death of their brother. But presumably, the point is they're told not to engage in mourning practices because of their status of kohanim. So although it's a tragic context, nevertheless, they're being told something that reflects their status as kohanim. And he starts first with Aharon and then he goes on to Elazar and Itamar. So you see that you start first with the greater how do we know that because first the snake was cursed the serpent was cursed and then so you start first with the uh, you know with the one that deserves the curse more the more minor one Um, or to respect more the honor of the greater one you don't start with them Adam. So that's, again, an interesting hierarchy there of Chavan than Adam. You know, another way of speaking about that is like the or, the reverse order, uh, well, whatever. Okay, anyway, so there you, go. so that's the Gemara's question. So the Gemara says, so why here don't you start with the people and then work up to the Nasi and the Avbetin? So the Gemara says no, no 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 having them put the ashes on their head is an honor it shows them honor because it's a way of saying to them you are so important that you have a particular power of being for the tzibur, of asking for the so therefore we start with you because putting you you know having you do it first shows the status that you hold as your ability to, you know, make a difference here. Uh, now, again, you know, it's interesting, as opposed to like this is a way of showing that you've done something wrong where then you would sort of start more with the lay people. Now, of course, you know, you could have read this the exact opposite because this is what I was sort of alluding to before. Like the reason the Nachash was cursed first is was the Nachash's fault and, you know, maybe it's not an issue of like not being in the kavod of the more honorable ones and waiting to the end with them, but maybe it's an issue of you start with the one whose fault it was, and maybe there's a statement here that you're the leaders and you're the ones, like, okay, maybe the people sinned, it's true, but at some level you're the ones with the ultimate responsibility. That's the flip side of you have a status so therefore maybe you could pray for them and oh, you're very chashu, but maybe there's also a sense of you have to own the responsibility first before the people. The Gemara is not going in that Direction. The Gemara actually sees this as like doing this, as it well shows you know you have a, you're on a high and Maybe God will listen to you. But I, I, I sense that there's a way of, of 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 a negative statement as well going on there. Um, you know that's like, what, what, like that's like the joke right about the uh, not uh, was Navardik, right? You know the, the Musar state or in Navardic as you know as everybody is saying. Oh, ich bin, Gornis, ich bin so A guy walks in from the street and he doesn't see what's going. He, he's never seen this before, but he figures oh, I might as well join in so he sits down and he starts saying yes, going in. Yes, going in. somebody looks over him. This guy walks off the street, thinks he's Gornish. So, <laughs> so, so anyway, all right. So, so the Gemara says like this. Uh, okay, Kol Echad Ve'Chad, Notel Ve'Notein Beroshos, or Notein Beroshos. So then every individual puts on his own head. So uh, so the Gemara says the uh, Kol Echad Ve'Chad Notein Beroshos, Nasiva Binstin Nami ko Inu Vanim Chubur Ashayu. So here's a, here's another difference. That each individual puts on his her own head but the Nazi says somebody else puts on their head why don't they put on their own head so why is somebody else putting it on their head so it's not similar if you embarrass yourself as if somebody else embarrasses you it's much more embarrassing to be embarrassed by somebody else so it's quite fascinating here the Gemara does, does say we want the Nosi and the Avvetin to you know, to be more embarrassed to, suffer, to have that sense of their responsibility it's more embarrassing that somebody else is going to embarrass them rather than if they do it to themselves so I would say the exact opposite I would have said having somebody put the ashes on your head shows your status. Oh, hashev, I don't do that myself. Somebody else dresses me. Somebody puts the ashes on my head. You know, but having me to start with me shows that I'm more responsible. The Gemara reverses it. Starting with me shows kavod. Having somebody else put the ashes on me is a way for me to feel more embarrassed. Yes? Um, I don't trouble with the, with the two different scenarios of Bedoula and you in, in, in either context. I mean, it, it speaks against They're referring to this as a as a as a as a auspicious no that's what they're saying is and I think that's similar to the psukim by Moshe Naran and the death of Nadav and Avihu that even in moments of tragedy let's face it people are given different roles and different implicit honors right okay we're in a tragic situation here well who's going to be the shliach tzibur who's going to give the drasha so even in this context of a tragedy you can you know you're showing your respect for people and their status or you're making implicit statements about that so I think that that's why it was very apropos that I quoted the psukim about the death of Nadav and Avihu, and even in that context, you know, there can be reflecting people's different I mean, status, right? Right. If we're, if we're inferring that this whole process is one of feeling the distance between the the, the, the Am and Hashem, right? Then how does that refer to it? It should be more democratic, or it should be more of that, more recognition of a klala than do do. Well, it, it is a recognition of the klala, but even in the context of us accepting, that's the first question. Um, it's a klala, so we should be. Um, it is a koala so we should, the Gemara's question is so we should be matchilimin hakatan. And the Gemara's answer is that even though, in general, what the, the practices going on here are, are a koala this particular practice of putting the ashes on has an element of gudura because it demonstrates who's at the higher level to be mitpalel Okay, but again, I would have exactly reversed the, the order the Gemara did. Okay, the Hechem where do you put the ashes? I'm a Rebbe Yisrapp and Tifilin. To give for the mourners of Zion glory in place of ashes, and tefillin are called air in another Pasuk in Yechezkel. So the, the, the counteracting of the mourning is glory in the place of ashes. The state of mourning, therefore, is ashes where the tefillin um, would be. And again, of course, that sense of God's name and where the Tefillin would be on you and you're owning your connection to God. And now that is replaced with ashes. Again, I think like there's real parallel with the ashes on the Aron, the ashes where the tfilin would be on your head. Right, <laughs> obviously, to air and aether, yes. Okay. Ashes does, um, doesn't it imply that, that the, the, the important part of the entire fasting process in different seasons is sort of, um, the progression is, is self-humiliation? Right. Um well you mean the idea of mitpayation at small, right, right. So and in a way you're right. Like at the communal level, that's what we're doing. We are we are doing practices to degradate ourselves, to humiliate ourselves in order to you know own, you know own this experience. And exactly. All right. So the guy says now. Uh, so that's just a That's just a headlines of uh, of, of what, what what's coming next. Okay. Why do you go out to the uh, to the uh, public square? Why not do it in the show? So. So, Rabbi Chiyabar, Abba Amar, Lomar, to say, av lo Again, that's the idea of lo na'aninu. Na, 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 no. We have cried out in private, and we have not, and God, and we haven't been answered. Niv za'atzmeinu, there you go. Let us, let us you know, uh, degradate ourselves, embarrass ourselves, b'farheshya, in public, maybe that will help. Now, how does embarrassing yourself in public help? Okay, so if you take a look at Rashi, or Suda Rashi, Rashi says, um, Rashi says, um, uh, uh, no, is it Rashi? No, let's continue the Gemara a little bit. So, Reish is Shamar. No, I don't think Rashi says anything on that. He's the next Rashi. Okay, Reish is Shamar. So let's see a couple of explanations, and then we'll unpack it. Reish is Shamar. Galinu, we have now exiled ourselves. Our exile should atone for us. We're exiled from the Beit Knesset, from our place. And again, as I've been saying, the, I think reflecting the idea, what is galus about? Exiled from the land, exiled from the land of God's presence and from the place you belong. But it's not just, it's not just like a punishment of going into captivity, right? There's something existential and fundamentally theological about exile, you know, galinu—that dis- distancing from where we belong, distancing from God. So we've left the Beit Knesset, right? We've left that intimacy with God, we're Galinu, and therefore, um, and let that be an atonement. So, right exactly we might we'll say that later my or something like that my benayu what's the difference can you go from one show to a different show? so now that a little bit uh, hurts my argument because that would say so you don't have the idea of doing it in Sahasia, but what you do have is the idea of exile because you're leaving your show. so that a little bit weakens my argument because just going to a different show. ok it's not exactly home but nevertheless sort of the connection closeness to God is still there um, but apparently the issue here about being m'vazeh yourself, farhesya, um seems to be either a sense of self-inflicted punishment, and maybe because, you know, we're punishing ourselves, that should be an atonement. Um, but again, the question here is, I'll also note the difference, that the first answer is maybe w- that this will help us be answered. The second answer, Lakish is that this will atone. So again, that becomes that question, is it about being answered, or is it about sin and atonement? So Rish you is just saying, this is a punishment. We're going to punish ourselves. Maybe the punishment will be a form of atonement. Right? So, you know, you get lashes, you atone. You sue in atone. There's an idea. You get a slap. You know, you get a punishment. That's, you know, that's a little bit of justice. And therefore, that leads to atonement. The other one is maybe we'll be answered. And I do think, and this is a point we said before, part of the idea of Ta'anit is, God, look how miserable we are. Have compassion on us. So it's not about... Keshuvah. This will wake us up to do shuvah. This will be a punishment and it will be an atonement. It's like maybe this will get God to pay attention. If we go so far to make us, you know, be embarrassed ourselves, degrade ourselves in public, maybe finally God will see how, you know, how miserable we are and, and, and respond and how much we are sort of, <coughs> you know, how, how terrible we feel about this distance from God and maybe God will respond so there's a definite difference here between Na'aninu and Nechaperet ok so now the Gemara says like this the and now why do you bring the ark out as well ok that's why you bring the people out why do you bring the ark out I'm going to be ben Levi chuit we had, a, we had a, a, a hidden, a private vessel, you know, this Ark, which was in a pri- private place, and now it also has become degraded in our sin, okay? So our sin has affected the Ark. So again, not to belabor the point, you know, the idea of, I've been talking about, affected the relationship e- uh, with God, even God isn't in God's right place, God is out of the synagogue, the Ark is out of the synagogue, but I would say even more, because when we were learning Yoma, remember, we spoke about the biblical theology, which is is that when you sin what does the sin do it gets into the mikdash and it is mitamei the mikdash and the purpose of Yom Kippur is to cleanse it but if the tum- mikdash gets too tame, God is going to have to depart right God says right, betoch tumotam, but that's if you cleanse the mikdash on an annual basis if the mikdash keeps on getting clogged up with your sins and you don't cleanse it in the end, you know, the Shekhinah has to depart, which is mm-hmm. the whole story of, you know, 10, ten travels before the Shekhinah finally fully departed. So this is sort of paralleling that. Our sins have, like, th- even got to the fact of impacting the Aron, you know, the Klitsanua, right? Sanua, right, like the Kachekadashim and the private, you know, in terms of that relationship, and now has, has you know, brought, brought it out of its place, has even led to its degradation, um, uh, to, to its degradation, yes. There was specific korbanot for specific impurities in right. the they have mixed yeah, but this was about the the, the yeah. The, the, this impurity is the one created by sin. It's different than the other types of things. It's uh, anyway. I don't want to get into that. But again, notice by the way, also this issue about the avonenu. So again, we have here sin as beginning to play, you know, a bigger role. Um, okay. So our you know this state affects God as well um, is basically the point. Um, all right. The Rama de Sakim. Now, why do you wear sackcloth? Now, you might notice that the Mishnah does not mention wearing sackcloth. Okay, but this brita uh, the mission does mention the Drusha talks about Anshininve's wearing sackcloth, but does not say the people do. But this bright, uh, assumes that there was a practice of wearing sackcloth. Okay, so why do we do this? Am Abba lomar to say harey Anu Whereas, like you know, when, when we've lost our human dignity, we're like animals because you know the the, the sackcloth were made, I think, from uh, goat hair. So um, you know, by dressing in it, you feel you don't feel as you know you don't wear this sort of a hey, that it comes from animal clothing, you know, it comes from animals It identifies animals, but also part of an idea of human dignity is the wearing of clothes, right? And when you wear sackcloth instead of clothes, you know, the, your own self-perception of who you are and how hushed you are, you know, goes down. The Lama, Afer, Mikla, Teva, why ashes? On the Ark, Amre, Behuda, Ben-Fazi, so here it now has God as well is feeling the pain so the first stage is we have caused you know ourselves to be distanced from God. God is exiled from his place or our sins have degraded, you know, the Aron and you know had been the Mikdash as it were. But now it's how God Himself is feeling the suffering. And so therefore it's even affected God God, God self. So um um so Amra where were we? Uh Blamulti may be shamar, the all of the of their affliction to God, it is also an affliction. Now, there's a slight difference of nuance there because the second one says more clearly God feels the pain. The first one, Imo Anochi Btsara, means God is here with you to support you. Could be read, right? I'm here for you. Like God is present with us, but you know, but that's you know, so God, God, like God is doing the same practice as it were, but He's doing it to support us. To say, you know, you think we're distant, you know, even so I'm here to support you and I'm with you during this, you know, during this period. So there's a little difference between that and saying God is also feeling the pain. There's a, you know, but God might be feeling the pain, but God might be distant. So there's a difference. One God is close, but he, and he's there to support. The other God is feeling the pain, but not necessarily close. Yes. Uh, that particular verse in Isaiah, there's a difference in the way it's written and the way it's Yeah, with a and an yeah. Got it. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is the way that the, the rabbis are choosing to read it. Amar Rebbe Rabbi Zera said, written when I saw the uh, rabbinic scholars, you know, the the Torah, uh, the, the Torah students, the yoyv efer mikwa gabi that they put ashes on the top of the ark, Kule my entire body trembled. it was just so. Tragic, like you know, to, to see that it was such a powerful image about how how terrible things were. Now, again, it's interesting. He you know, says, so "It sounds like you know one of the things is like what he didn't agree, he doesn't agree that that's what you used to do." I mean, it was in the Mishnah, so maybe it means yeah. It's one thing to talk about it; it's another thing to see it and to feel how powerful that is. Saying the image that that is creating. Okay, so the Gemara says, "Okay, the Raman Nosim Afer." Now back to the Breita. That was a digression. Back to the Breita. The Raman Nosim Afer Barosh why do the individuals put ashes? It's funny. We've already got the Tavor having ashes, but why do the individuals have ashes? Um, right. The same like how how degraded we've become. We're in front of you like ashes and d- dust. God should remember the ashes of Isaac, meaning the Akedah Yitzchak, and that should be a kapara, or that should be the way in which God, you know, responds to us. So my Benayu, now of course Yitzchak wasn't burnt in the end, but it's worth noting, I mean, Shlom Spiegel wrote a whole book on this, you know, the whole idea that the, the problem in the Akedah story is, is that, is that you never hear what happens, Yitzchak isn't mentioned in the end, right, it says that, uh, you know, it says that, Vayashav uh, Avraham El Nearav, what happened to Yitzchak so uh, you know and there are other like anomalies there in the story that raise the question like maybe something did happen to Yitzchak and there's famous Midrashim that that actually Abraham in the end did offer up Yitzchak and that, you know, and that God then, you know, and then his ashes sort of were, you know, God then he was resurrected later um, through the ashes. Um, others were, that are less drastic basically says since Avram was prepared to offer up Yitzhak, right, therefore, um, you know, therefore he, um, um, it says if the ashes are before God, but some actually view it as, no, they actually were the ashes of Yitzchak, because part of the issue is also remember, there's not just the knife there, right, what is, also does Avram have other than a knife? What, Sally? the age right so if you got a fire on the Mizbeach, and you got yitzchak on the Mizbeach, even if you don't check him if you do nothing, he'll turn into afer, right? So therefore, so that allows an interpretation of, of this. It's a fascinating history about that idea that just a certain strand that believes that actually Yitzchak was offered up. Um, it's nicer to say it's Ki'ilu the afer was before God, but there is that strand. Um, so I'm not going to fully get into that one right now, but okay. I've disturbed you enough. All right, but anyway. So anyway, so that's the idea that it should be a kapara. Um, you, you should remember the ashes. So it might be nice what would be a difference between this? Can you use dirt, dust, or does it have to be ashes? Again, what I also would argue is... Again, a partly of this question of the, the, the sin focus. Saying like, look at the ashes, presumably means look at the ashes, and it should be a kapara, like that's what korbanos are, forgive us. Whereas, look how miserable we are. We're not even humans. We're animals. We're like dust. You know, is a way of just sort of like calling out to God for misery, but it's not really about tshuva and kapara and slicha. It does not seem to be the point there. So are there are these, I believe, continue keep on seeing these two strands here of what is being emphasized okay so the Gemara says like this um uh, where were we Our first time why do you go after the cemetery also not mentioned in our Mishnah but the bright assumes that that's what would happen same point we're animals we're dust we're like the dead so this isn't I think about sin this is about connecting but if your tefilos aren't helping get other people to pray for you so who should pray for you the dead should pray for you which raises very interesting questions uh, also sort of theological questions about, you know, and praying to the dead, and you're not praying to the dead, you're praying to God, but you're hoping that the dead will help the prayers. So let's just say Rambam, the rationalist Rambam, was not so happy with this. All right, okay. so it might says, my be here, what's the difference between them? Do you, if there's no Jewish cemetery nearby, do you go to a non-Jewish cemetery? The assumption is that the non-Jews won't pray for your behalf. Um, or even in their death or Rashi the Suda Rashi says maybe um, they won't you know God won't listen to them more than God will listen to you I mean there's a lot of assumptions going on there about that but if it's just for the for the symbol of that would be that could be effective okay now because we've had these constant debates between Rabbi Hanina and Rabbi Levi we're going to have one final one which interestingly gets us back to the Mikdash idea my haramoria, why is the Mountain called Har Now, which mountain? You know, so, uh, so. So it's referring to a pasuk here, but there's about presumably it means about the Beit Hamikdash. Where's that lay which Moriah? It is earlier, you know, by Avraham by Lech Lachal Eretz HaMoriah Okay, so Bar okay. Rabbi so, the mountain from which teaching goes out to the people. Right, the Beit Hamikdash is the center of you know of uh, God of, of God's presence and of the sort of religious center. The Charam Arhar Moral or, or fear to the non Jews, so it because, like, we have God presumably in our midst, and that makes them fearful of us. So, there's some want to say that he's actually arguing that that doesn't mean Beit Hamikdash; it means Har Sinai. Why Har Sinai would more be moral of you know, is not necessarily clear. But anyway, we're just going to, move, we're just going to leave that for now and move on. Hazakein Shabbim, that was only brought in because it was paralleling the earlier debates of those two. Hazakein Shabbim, O'mu Okay, so that was a whole mention of other practices, what is the symbolism about, and the idea that also there would be a practice not mentioned in our Mishnah of sackcloth and going out to the cemeteries and now we get to the the, the drusha the sermon Okay, so he would tell them things that would be would be sort of enter into their hearts cause them to be humbled and reflective etc Hanu Rabbanan, a rabbi's taught. If there's an elder, the elder gives the drasha. And if not, then you get a sage to give the drasha. and if not, Omer a person of literally figure, but meaning a person of status would give the drasha so Mark says Artu zake the kami, I to love what would you give an, a, an elder person to give the drasha even if he wasn't a sage like why should he be the one that you know just because of his age that should be giving the drasha and have the you know either the ability to give it well or the ability to make an impact well you, you wouldn't have it you would obviously want the person to represent Torah as well and have that power in his speech so, Amar Bayeh, this is what we're saying. If there's an elder and he also is wise, then Omer Zakain, um, and that one should say it. Imlav, and if you can't find somebody older who fits into that category, Omer Chacham, then a wise person will say, or a sage will say even if he is not older. Um, and Imlav, and if not either of those, Omer Adam Shot Okay, and here's what he would say. Our brethren, rotsak v'tanit gormim elat shuvah masin tovim gormim. It is not the sackcloth again, the sackcloth. He indicating that they were doing that, and the fast thing that makes the difference. It is shuvah and good deeds. Shatein masinu. So here is the shuvah. Here is the sin thing, given its greatest focus. Shatein masinu ban sheini ve ban bayar ha elohim et sakam v'tani tam. It's not God saw their sackcloth and their fast. Ela bayar ha elohim masayhem ki shavu mitarchem arah. God saw their ways that they had changed their evil path. Now we're going to go and darshan some other psukim from Ninfei. Vayit kasu Satim adam v'ha so, and they dressed sackcloth, the people and the animals, right? It's, it's almost like humorous. The animals are in sackcloth. But again, if the idea is to, like, so look how, like, destroyed we are, how miserable we are, you know, maybe somehow there was some sense to that. Anyway, so my avdi, what would they do? Luhud that's a They basically put the uh, animals to one side and um, the... Um, the uh the, the 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 young to another side has it something like Blood out there What does it say the? Kind of am- from other animals separately. And from their young. Right, right. So their young. Right, I'm sorry. And, they're, and, they're, and the animals, like, children to the other side. And they said to God, If you can't have compassion on us, then, you know, we won't have compassion, like, on them. Which What, what is that? Like some ultimatum? So, <laughs> so if you take a look, right, if you take a look, Razi says, like, it's like, like, you know, it's sort of like, Obviously, like the same way, look at Rashi. May not about twenty lines from the bottom. Kolom kishem shata omer lurachem al elu. Obviously, Rachamava kol masav. Or you could other say other p'sukim, like you know, like otovet beno lotishketu biyomechad. But the same way, you understand what it means for a mother to be separated from her calf, and obviously, your compassions are bestirred. How could you not have compassion on us? which basically also means that God, who is God in this, in, in this image? God is the mother. We're the children. It's interesting. The feminine imagery, right? Um, and, you know, we are, our, you know, and, and, and to have compassion on us. Like, how could you not have compassion on us? We're your children. What? What are you saying on that? that's true, that's what we say in, uh, in the tefillah because we don't want to give the female, uh, we want to keep the male imagery, but um, I'm not sure here that that was, that that was the case, but you're right, it doesn't say that they were mothers, it just says Elu, so maybe not. Some, that's what I think I think the whole power here is, is that they can't suckle and protect their young like you know the fathers in the animal species don't tend to stay at home too much so clearly here it does seem to be the mothers anyway it's interesting because it avoids the whole sakim issue like the Gemara couldn't really deal with the animals wearing the sackcloth it had to assume like, it's almost like comical it had to assume that it was something else so maybe the Gemara is even reading this with a comma say sakim ha'adam and they did something else with the Behema. I don't know, I'm suggesting that, but it's completely interpreted in a way having nothing to do with the sackcloth. Yes. This reminds me of one of the interpretations for Shua HaKain that uh, it's not to generate mercy in us, but to get God to. Right. Okay, so let's keep on going. And they called out to God with power. So my Amr was, as they say, they said to him, Master of the universe, aluv v'she'inu aluv, one that is um, um, like a, 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 a suffering, um, that's not a good translation, but what do they say for aluv? Long-suffering. Long-suffering, all right. aluv, the one who is not, or tzadik v'rasha, righteous and wicked. Meaning me who is pushed away for whom, meaning who should get the attention first, obviously the one who is suffering in the tzadik. Now, very strange I don't understand this what does it mean who's pushed away like why is it between choosing like what like God is favoring the person those that aren't suffering God is favoring the Rishayim and you're telling God don't favor the Rishayim favor us we're doing tshuva. favor us we're the ones like I don't understand like why this is being put as an alternative like how that fits into this context um, anyway but the point still is look we're suffering we're working on doing tshuva we should you know but maybe it is implicitly other. why do other people have it better you know but again that's interesting bringing that into the conversation why is everybody else successful we're the ones that are suffering we're the ones that are doing tshuva have compassion on us by Yeshuva Ishmi Midarko Hara'ah Minah Chapas and each one returned from the from the evil and from the um, from the violence or from the theft that was in their hands. So my Umina Chamas Hasher B'Chapehem, Amos Shmuel Afilu Gazal so Hamas in the, for the Gemara can sometimes mean uh, theft and sometimes more ma, ma, mean violence the Gemara more sort of interprets it in terms of theft so even if somebody and especially the hand so there's a sense of taking what isn't yours so even somebody who stole a beam and put it in the middle of their like castle and when they were doing tshuva in Ninve they would knock down their castle in order to get the beam back and obviously this is also reflecting a rabbinic edict which is if somebody steals a beam and bails it in their house they don't have to give back the beam they just have to pay for it in order to ha- make it easier to do tshuva but the government is saying okay we did that takanah to help people do tshuva the people of Ninveh didn't need that takana. they were prepared to do tshuva no matter what the cost was even if it meant knocking down their entire house um, now, but you know but this also sort of reminds you of you know it's like the other place where we use also like non-Jews and we draw this extreme model that goes even beyond what Halacha demands is uh, Kibur aim You know those mm-hmm. stories of Kibur Aim and this person mm-hmm. who was a Tendama, right? And how he would honor, you know, his father, and he wouldn't wake his father even to sell the Aduma, and whatever, right, 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 etc. So I think there's an interesting thing, like taking it like a, an example from non-Jews. And it's such an extreme even more than halakha demands. Like, he would knock down the castle to return this, you know, and obviously, therefore, we should need to take that to heart about what, about how, you know, about, about how we have, to, how, how we have to act. Um, yeah, exactly. So, So, um, somebody who has a, 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 a sin in his hand, and he, and he, and he says his confession, but he does not do tshuva, Lamahu domet? What is he like? Laadam shetofeis sheretz biado. A person holding on to a uh, you know a dead rodent that uh, um, that causes tuma. Shafiyut oveil b'chol Even if you do all the rituals, you go through all the mitzvot. The, it doesn't help. The rituals aren't going to help if you're still holding on to the thing that causes tuma. Zarcomia, though you cast it from your hand, all you have to do then is go to the mikveh After you've cast it from your hand, that's when the ritual will help. So the ritual of concession does no good if you're holding on to the sin. Right? And again, this is the issue echoing the earlier Gemara. It's not the sackcloth. It's not the tanit it's the real acts that you're doing to make things better you know it's the real tshuva so e- same point here confession although that feels like tshuva confession isn't tshuva confession is just the ritual that we do as part of the process if you're holding on to the sin the ritual is not going to do any good um, the one who confesses and leaves the sin behind is the one that, ha- is, is, is that God is, will have compassion Omer we will lift up our hearts on, the, on our hands to God in heaven. Now, oh, how is that a relevant proof? So, what the uh, Rashi or Zudor Rashi says here is it's again the word kapayim, right? And holding on with your hands to the sheret and what, uh, to the sin, aveira biado. And Rashi says, what is the aveira biado? Rashi says, aveira, Rashi says, is gezel so we're talking specifically about Hamas that you have not made up and corrected the wrong you did to the other person it doesn't just mean oh you're still uh, you know you haven't fixed the problem of why it is that you're, that you're always late to minion or why it is that you're always missing Zman Kriyat Shema no See rabbi you have you know you haven't righted the wrong and you're still holding on to the thing that you took so therefore it says Nasalu venu el kapayim, that when we have our hands have to be clean when we are doing shuvah and then it will be when we will be forgiven and I got to tell you this happens like a lot like when you know like it happens like when people are involved in these uh, you know but you know in these cases of like uh, sex abuse and then they uh, you know and then they come and they say um, they say you know I've done sh and I, you know and and, and, and and you know and I feel terrible about it, and you know and, and accepts me accept me again, right, and they want to be forgiven well, how much did you try to actually approach all of the victims and really right the wrongs that you know that that is you know that that 's where it really all starts um and you know and there is a Inclination of look, the guy did suva, The guy says, you know, he's, uh, you know, he has remorse. Let's let's let, let's let's accept him again. Um, and uh, so the real point about coming with the clean hands And again, the point here that when you're dealing with this issue, again, we've, we've talked before about the focus on the Ben adam lechasero. You know, it's not just this metaphysical, um, you know, this theological issue. Sin gets between us and God. It's yeah, too general chuva. It's about like. The wrongs that we're doing in the real practical sense of, in, you know, as a community and between one another. So I think that there's a real power here about how that has to be right, those wrongs have to be righted in a real world sense. Um that's finished at least at the end of the Amud. Okay, now they're getting ready to Davin. So when it comes to davening, even though there's an older person and a wiser person, the only person who leads davening is number one, somebody who is ragil. Somebody who basically knows what they're doing. So, my ragil or whatever, what does that mean? So now, interestingly, it's not going to say ragil meaning like, like you know, accustomed to davening. You know, let's see how he interprets it. Somebody who has a lot of children, the low and he does not have a uh you know he's poor so he really feels what that means, that sense of having responsibility to others and really, you know, how, how difficult it is to care for others and feels that sense of tremendous responsibility. He has kids, but he doesn't really have enough to feed them with. The the yesh basadeh, and he works hard in the field, but, he's, but again, he has no property. So, he, again, he feels what that means to work and work and not succeed and how he'll be able to feel the suffering of the tzibur. Um... Upiyakona um, er and his chapter is good, which the Gemara says means that he like was always uh, you know had a good reputation even in his youth. Like his history he has a good history. Fashafab beirach and of lowly need meaning he's humble. and the people like like him. He's desirable to the people, so they'll feel connected to him. Vyeishlo niima. And he's got a good voice. And he's able to do what he has to do. He's able to be a Balkhore. koreh midrash, and to give a drasha. Now, why exactly is that important to be a shliach Tzibor, But again, maybe it means that the people will respect him more and feel that you know his tefilot are for their sake. And knows how to make all the brachot, so he again knows what he's doing. The Ahivu Bo, so after this whole list was given, it's a pretty long list to be out to very high Madreika So the Gemara says. Um the Be Bey Rabbanani Rab Yesak Bar Ami. So they were reading this list and all the rabbis were looking at Rabyzak Bar Ami. Like they felt, Ah, oh, I know who that's talking about. He's the guy that would be a real Shift people. Okay, so the Gemara says, let's read very quickly get to the next Amud. Hainu Mitsupal Be Hainu Beitorekam isn't saying Ainloh, he doesn't have any, any, you know, money, the same as saying Khan So Amraf pleased that no. Beitoure Khan means something else. Zeus should Beitor Rekam mean Have It means somebody that has you know is free of sin up your corona air so rest corona air mean amar bayza lo yatsa allah shame rabbi alduso somebody that never had a bad reputation even in his wild youth okay he's got a good history okay hay sayna khasiq aray ba so when your pastor my inheritance looked to me like a lion in the uh, in the in, in the forest that not allied the colop created put gave to me in its voice Therefore, I've hated it. What does this mean? So my bartuvia so our guess is sneha hagun. it's clear what the sense is but that says the ark isn't hagun so it's hagun, sneha if somebody is not fitting then that voice God will hate that voice okay and again I think the point being you know even if he has a beautiful voice it's, that's not all it requires to be a shaliyach tibor hagun you know somebody that really represents the tibor and is able to bring they feel connected to him he's connected to them bring that emotion and bring that and represent how they need to be you know repre- you know. Rep- Presented to God. Okay.